Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is November 2013, just following the six-year anniversary of Evolution Revolution. Possibilities are abundant in times of great change. Now, in the fall of 2013, is a great time of manifestation and creation for both individuals and the larger collective, with an abundance of opportunity for healing, growth, reflection, and a new higher creation of who we are. Let the positive, higher transformation begin. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners both intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, past guests and archives, media articles, services, and much more at www.dulcineacontreras.wordpress.com and in iTunes by searching in the podcast section, Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea and Voices of Change or keywords, Dulcinea Contreras. Thank you for joining the show wherever you may be listening. Today on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Michael Tamora who lives the miracle. Spiritually aware from childhood, he sees everyone the way they are as immortal souls to guide thousands to their healing, awakening, and true life purpose. He draws from years of intensive training, profound past life recall, nightly out-of-the-body teaching sojourns, and a lifetime of extraordinary experiences, including having physically died twice in full consciousness. Born and raised in Japan, yet educated in American schools, Michael has spent a lifetime bridging gaps, not only between East and West, but between men and women, the young and the old, heart and soul, life and the afterlife, and above all, between humanity and divinity. He is beloved around the world as a spiritual teacher, visionary, clairvoyant, and pioneer of healing and psychic development, and has been featured on CNN, NBC's The Lisa Show, Bridging Heaven and Earth, The Aware Show, Hay House Radio, and many other media programs. He was also included in ABC News' The Century, America's Time with Peter Jennings. A longtime champion for a soul-centered education, healing, and parenting of children and youth, Michael was a guest expert in the film The Indigo Evolution and has been a contributing writer for the Children of the New Earth magazine and other publications. He also wrote the final chapter, Nourishing the Soul of the Psychic Child, in James Twyman's book, Messages from Thomas, Raising Psychic Children. He serves as a consultant to Cosmic Kids and for other pioneers in the education and healing of children. Today, the award-winning author of You Are the Answer continues to illuminate the way home for many awakening souls through his acclaimed seminars, teleseminars, writing, media appearances and products, and special events. For Michael, every step in life offers an opportunity for healing, miracles, and the fulfillment of one's divine purpose. Welcome back to Evolution Revolution, Michael. It's an honor to have your presence and consciousness appear once again on Evolution Revolution this fall of 2013. Thank you, Dulcinea. It's great to be back on your show again. Great. So we at Evolution Revolution are celebrating our six-year anniversary this fall and have seen many changes in consciousness and physicality during these last six years. From my perspective, the last several years have truly offered potential to shift the script of humanity how do you see that this, these last six years have unfolded, and where are we going from here? <laughs> it's kind of uh, amusing. I, I was laughing to myself when I was listening to you introducing me, <laughs> and when, uh-huh. you, when you said that uh, uh, I've had two death experiences, well, uh, it must come from a slightly older bio because uh, I've had two more <laughs> since <laughs> one and a half more since then, and uh out of the three full death experiences and and the two other near death experiences 
over the course of the nine years, last nine years, uh, two of them happened in the last six years. <laughs> so, so there's been, you were saying that there's been a lot of changes in consciousness around the world and a lot of changes in physicality around the world too. And I've personally experienced both of those <laughs> in the last six years. And um, one of the things that I, I see all around, everywhere I go, and I, I do travel extensively around the world, I've seen in the last six years enormous uh, interchanges within people. In the outside world, you know, we still have wars, we still have uh, terrorism, we still have uh, uh, drug trafficking and all kinds of things that go on in this, in this world that are not what most of us would like to see, yet it still goes on. But... So when we're listening to the news and watching the news and reading about it and what's going on in the world, we don't get a really clear picture oftentimes of how much real change is actually happening. 2012 was a big year. You know, it was probably the most prophesied year in the history of human civilization, or at least since we've had media, and, and uh, especially in December, and the entire world, there's people who normally are not paying any attention to anything even remotely metaphysical, esoteric, or spiritual, were tuned in, and, and uh, major media had all kinds of uh, stories about what's going to happen with this Mayan calendar thing, and, and 2012, and the prophecies, and all of those things, and collectively, Humanity seemed to have breathed a, a, a sigh of relief once 2014 started, and everybody, a lot of people, including a lot of uh, spiritually oriented people, said, "Oh, great! You know, there was no nuclear holocaust. There is no uh, end of the world. Uh, there is no um, uh, total destruction or Armageddon or anything like that in 2012. So now it's back to." business as usual, but it has not been. Just even in this last year uh, or whatever, 10, 11 months, uh, it hasn't been business as usual at all. Uh, I think when you communicate with individuals, um, you'll see that, that there's so much interchange going on in people's lives. And when you know the prophecy of the world is going to come to an end as we know it, and so then what happens? It's like graduation uh, from college. They call that commencement exercises, right, the graduation day. It's because you're graduating from, you're finishing up an old cycle of studying for four years or whatever you're involved in. And then that graduation, once you get your certificate, once you cross that stage and everything, you're starting a whole new life not as a college student, but as a graduate. And in our, in our civilization, in our society, 2012 was like that graduation, especially at the end of the year, where so much of what was seen to, to come together from thousands of years ago came together. And although physically we might not have seen a, a an enormous difference, but the change has started, and everybody graduated, so to speak, and so now it's it's the difference from between being a student and being out in in society having to apply what you've learned in your studies as a continuing with the analogy of college and so now, what does that mean when when all of us every single one of us on this planet has had to start to apply things that we've been preparing for, things that we've been studying, practicing, looking into, reading about, hearing about, talking about. Well, now we really have to be living it. There's no more just talking about it. That time is past. And, and so already in the first 11 months or so, 10, 11 months of this year, uh, since this graduation, since this commencement, 
each and every one of us has to be living what we've been preparing for, which means those of us who've had a lot of uh, old baggage, a lot of unfinished cycles, uh, loose ends, we've had to tie up those loose ends. We've had to complete our cycles of action from before. We've had to honor our commitments and fulfill our responsibilities that, that we planned a long time ago up to this time period, up to last year. And now, those of us who haven't finished that are intensively, we're, we're in this intensive process of finishing all the past out of the way. It's like doing your, taking care of old business so we can get on with the new business that uh, we need to be living. And that new business we need to be living is a long-term process for human ev- evolution. And, and it has to do, the way I describe it, from my perspective, it's, it's uh, we've been, as humanity, we've been living a body-based intellectual uh, way of life. Humanity, human beings have been primarily a a body-based intellectual race up to this point. But now we're being, what would you say, we're being uh, almost forced to. (laughs) We, We have to take this huge quantum leap into living as a spirit-based intuitive race. And that even is going to involve changes in our DNA, changes in our genetic material. And, and on subtle levels, you, you can actually see that happening with some of the uh, kids that are being born now. Their, their, their genes are a little bit different. You can tell just on a physical uh, level, their bodies are different than what ours was and has been. And, and definitely the beings coming in are being able to express themselves much more, uh, with much more awareness, with what, much more of their spiritual inner creativity from an early age. And so this is, a, this is an incredible time. And, and there's so many more of the souls that are, are uh, incarnating and have recently incarnated and are planning to incarnate during this time, that have the goal, the vision of helping humanity go through this enormous transition. When I mentioned it was kind of like a, a quantum leap, you know, it's, it's not a gradual change over time. It's, it's one where you have to go from one level to another level and there's nothing in between. It, it definitely takes a leap of faith. A leap of faith is where, where you can't walk across the bridge slowly to the other side. No, it's, it's you're here and you have to be over there and there's nothing in between. And that's what that quantum leap is about that all of humanity has, is being asked to go through. And in order to make that leap, we have to build up, in a sense, enough pressure. It's, it's, it's almost like enough pressure of energy and awareness uh, as a collective human race to boost ourselves up to the next level and and so we're some of us there's there's uh always when these types of major major shifts are happening in human evolution there's a smaller group of people who who start to do this process get across and when there's enough people who who make that leap and get across then the rest of the population start to have a little more certainty, a little more faith, and gee, those people went across. I'm sure, you know, I can go across too. And then everybody jumps across. And so, so that building up the pressure is what we're doing now more and more as some of the ones who are in the forefront are making that leap uh, every day. They're, they're making that leap and starting to establish what is it like to live in this society as it is. It's still living in the general uh, global society. We're still living in, in the dark ages. <laughs> We're still living before 2012. But 
we have to make the step. So, so it requires a, a significant number of us to start living the new way, which is, which is having our life centered around spirit, having our vision on spirit rather than physical, worldly uh, uh, things, and first and foremost, and being able to live our day-to-day lives on a much more intuitive knowing level instead of uh, intellectually trying to figure everything out by reason and intellect and, and, and in a linear fashion. Knowingness is a, is a comprehensive, you know the whole big picture right away. Now the trouble with that is when you know everything about a certain uh, situation right away, instantly, well, you still can't talk about it because it's too big. In order to communicate about it verbally, uh, we have to put words, string words, one after the other in a linear sequence. And and when you know on an intuitive knowing level, it's not like that. You know the whole thing. You see the big picture altogether. And so then it takes us a little time to digest, okay, I know the whole thing in a moment, but it may take me quite a while to be able to spit it out, uh, to be able to describe, explain, communicate to others what I know all of a sudden. There's been times in my life, I've, I've experienced this from the time I was a child. And when I was a child, it was very difficult because, because everybody, especially school teachers and whatnot, expected me to explain things and of what I knew. But I knew what I knew was so big and so involved, by the time I can start to get the words out, the teacher's already on the next page going, okay, well, you know, obviously you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so, so it, it's, and I noticed working with other people, both children and adults, uh, who tend to have a stuttering problem. And, and uh, uh, many of the ones that I've worked with or, or uh, have known who, who had a stuttering type of problem and sometimes even dyslexic uh, visual uh, problems on a, the words go jumping around, it's because they're bringing in so much of their knowingness and they can't talk fast enough of what they're knowing. So then the words and everything gets jammed up in the, in the throat, in the, in the whole vocal processing center, and they have a stutter or they, they hesitate in being able to say everything that's already in their, their awareness. And so these are just the very, very, very beginning uh, symptoms, so to speak, of this major change that we're going through. Now, you know, when you were describing me, uh, introducing me as living the miracle since childhood, well, it's, that has increased more and more, especially over the last six to ten years, has increased to a tremendous amount where every day, uh, I experience going in and out of this state of miracle, and so the uh, where most people I communicate with feel that oh miracles you know if a, a person is lucky enough to have a miracle in a lifetime that's that's a once in a lifetime thing, but more and more people are starting to become aware that no, I've had a few miracles and and. It's not just once in a lifetime. And so then the, the distance, the space between one miracle and the next miracle is getting smaller and smaller. So then you have one miracle and then a little pause and, and then another miracle and then a little pause and another miracle. And pretty soon they start to get strung together where sometimes whole segments of your day you're living this tremendous miracle that is life. It's always there. The miracle is always here. But most of us miss it. We're looking everywhere else. It's, it's like that country song, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and how many That's of us great. have done that, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. And when you're not yeah. looking and you're relaxed, all of a sudden love walks in. And the same thing happens with miracles. And so, 
So what is the thing that is needed of humanity, needed of us to to do is for any major, you know, fundamental uh, change to occur in the way we are and the way we live in society with one another, we have to change our perception. We have to change our viewpoint. We have to change how how we're looking, what we're looking at, where we're looking, and all change begins from that. It, it changed from the change of vision. I feel that this last year has been that for humanity is to really each and every individual has had to start to look at things, look at life, look at themselves in a different way than they ever have in the past. And it doesn't matter how spiritual, how aware, how capable uh, you may have always been, but none of us is immune to this. We, we No matter where we're at, uh, we have to say, okay, let's get into the present and and let's reexamine. Let's look at this from a fresh perspective. On a global level, there's all kinds of think tanks and advanced uh, groups of uh, uh, geniuses looking at global problems going, hey, you know, we've tried this and this and this and this. We tried a thousand different things and nothing's worked. We have to come to this from a total different perspective. We have to look at this problem from a completely different space. And that completely different space is is a different awareness and a different direction. We have to look inward to the limitless, to the infinite, rather than look outward to a limited world. And and so what does that mean? Well, one of the things I've experienced every single time I've physically died for a period of time <laughs> is that the period of time was for everybody who was here on earth wondering whether, you know, I'm going to stay dead or or if I'm going to come back. Where I was, there is no time. The minute you step out of the body, the minute you are in spirit, time ceases to exist. There is no such thing as time. You're you're living in eternity. So that is one of the first and fundamental differences when we die is if you haven't practiced living in eternity before you get out of the body, before you die, then it's it's going to be kind of a shock because it's completely different. There's no reference to a beginning and an ending because as spirit, we don't begin and end. We're eternal, immortal. We never change. We are. That's that. And so so then this shift is beginning from when we keep in our vision, in our sight, eternity. We're looking at not when is this going to be over? You know, the, <laughs> you will be able to experience this more and more as your son <laughs> grows up <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is sitting in the back seat. And if he has a sister or brother or friends or whatever, and you're driving, and they're going to be going, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? <laughs> well, all of humanity. I, I'm going to be interested in, in the kids that are coming in now to see if they do a lot of that, like all of the rest of us used to do, but, well, I said used to do, but most of humanity does that every day, except sometimes they don't say it out loud because it's not so polite. But how many people do you know who are sitting in the back seat of whatever in life, and they're going to the driver or somebody else who they think is knows more than they do or is the leader or should be responsible for them and everything else. And they're going, when are we going to get there? When is this thing going to finish? You know, how how soon is this thing going to start? They're always looking at time, beginning and endings. And why is that? Well, it's very simple. If we really examine why we look at our watch so much, why we get so obsessed with, you know, deadlines and, and, and when we're going to get there and all of that stuff is underlying it all is pain. Because if you really check yourself and your, your life, when is the time when you think, when, are, when, when is this thing going to be over? I, I want this to be done with. 
I want to go somewhere else. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be like somebody else. When you can't be where you are and have who you are right here, right now, it's because you're bumping into pain and you want to get out of that pain. So you're, you're going, okay, what pill can I take to end this pain? What, what procedure can I go through to end the suffering? You know, uh, I, I, I'm so miserable in this relationship. Uh, can I get a divorce? Uh, and to, some, to the extreme, a person goes, I'm going to kill myself because I can't stand this one more minute living like this. Well, when they do kill themselves, they realize, oh, now they're in the problem that they didn't solve while they could out of the body in eternity. So that's why in that state, it, it, the, the being, the soul, experiences that state like hell. It's, it's, it's forever. I'm in this suffering forever. They thought getting rid of the body was going to end that. But no. But what's going to end that is not getting rid of the body or not getting rid of the body, but what's going to end that is becoming aware and being able to live in eternity where you're not asking, when are we going to get there? When is this going to end? How much longer is this going to take? And so forth and so on. And of course, to live in relationship with one another, you know, we wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to be on your show today if I didn't call in at the right time. <laughs> right? And we have to end at the right time and things like that. But But that's, that's by agreement we can we can do that i can i can honor those agreements but in my own relationship with life i try to keep my vision on eternity and how many times a day do i experience oh i got to i got to finish this up i got to hurry up i got to get out of here i got to stop this and then that's my sign it's it's my signal to step back and go oh wait a minute i'm back in time again i have to re uh, realign my vision with eternity and once i put myself in in my sight on eternity huh now i'm relating to eternity and what does that mean when i'm relating to eternity i'm re- relating to the limitless when i'm relating to the limitless Nothing is impossible. Everything will have a solution. Everything can be done sooner or later because there's no sooner or later in eternity. The answers are all there within. It's not out there, out in the world or in somebody else. It's within ourselves. Our answers, our solutions to our lives are all within each of us. And so, so that is the change of perspective. And when we start to change the perspective and keep the vision of eternity, of spirit, of limitlessness, of God, whatever name you want to call it is is fine. But I like to use words like limitlessness and timelessness because, ah, that we can relate to more easily than something like God, right? Because God is timeless, eternal, limitless, infinite. And so, so all giving, all powerful, everywhere present, and, and again, all these are descriptions of when you put your vision, when you put your sight on the limitless. Ah, you're not thinking about when is it going to end. So the beginning of this, in practical everyday uh, uh, terms, for each and every one of us, is how many other people listening to this show, listening to this program, live their lives as if it started when they were born and it's going to end when the physical body dies. That's a beginning and an ending. And how many times when you're in a crisis do you think of that crisis and you feel as if, oh, this is a life or death situation? Or when you have to make that really hard decision uh, in a crisis, you might go, oh, gee, this is, this is a life or death decision I have to make. And it's not true. It's only true to the perspective of the body, physical body, 
but it's not true to us as spirit, as souls, immortal souls. Because long before, so to speak, in, in, in physical terms, that we were even conceived, we were. And long after we die out of these physical bodies, we still are. And so then, keeping your vision on eternity means living every day, not as if you were born, that's the beginning of your life, and whenever you're going to die physically is going to be the end of your life. No, it extends eternally in both directions. So, so then, when you start to live every day where life doesn't begin at birth and life doesn't end at death, you're not asking, when are we going to get there? And when you're not asking, when are we going to get there, you're not really asking, where are we going to get to if we get there sometime soon? <laughs> and, and so the minute we stop asking those kinds of questions, then what do we ask? We start to ask, okay, if life didn't begin, my life and your life and everybody's life didn't begin at our birth, when did life begin? Well, in legal arenas, they're talking about did it begin at conception or at certain uh, a month, uh, a certain trimester of the pregnancy or what? No, that's even incorrect. You have to go to eternal life. So the being who we call the baby who was just born has been, has been. It didn't begin somewhere and then it's going to end somewhere. No, it's always been around. And so it's just putting on a new set of clothing, new body on, so to speak. And these bodies is a, are very sophisticated wardrobe of ours. As souls, we come in and it's like wearing a, a, a super computer, <laughs> uh, all-purpose, you know, everything, uh, wardrobe. And so we come in, hover around, get connected to, and, and really uh, start to work with the mother-to-be. You know, you you've, uh, are a new mother with your son, and, and before, long before you were pregnant, he was around, and I have a feeling you were aware of him, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. And this is the this is the beginning of the change for humanity. If you ask pretty much most mothers, you'll find most mothers had some kind of feeling or whatever which prompts them to, okay, now is the time I would like to get pregnant. And some mothers will experience it as, I have to get pregnant now. <laughs> and sometimes even if they don't have a partner. <laughs> So true. Yeah, so true. and they just have to go, okay, i got to get pregnant. What's going on? Well, the being that they have the contract with. Uh, you had a contract, a long-standing contract with your son uh, long before he was conceived, his body was conceived, and he's been around long before that, and he, he had another body before that. And so yeah. in between both of your lifetimes, the two of you agreed, okay, this time if all you know, the stars align the right way and all things uh, are a go, then uh, he said, I'll come to you and, and you can have me as your son. And yeah. he's the one who chose you, not the other way around. The, the mother is always the, the, has the first right of refusal. <laughs> <laughs> Some young women, you know, don't know that. So, so, they don't know that they could, they have an option to to say to that being, no, not right now. The conditions aren't very good, or or I'm not ready yet, or whatever the case might be. So uh, especially very very young uh, mothers, or even pe- women who become pregnant during their teenagehood, uh, sometimes they haven't had the awareness or the maturity to make that decision of, oh, you know, just because. A soul is knocking on the door doesn't mean you have to let that soul come in through your body uh, as a child. And so, so there's the more awareness, uh, uh, especially women, but both the, the, 
both parents, the father and the mother, to be, the more aware they are, the more they can start to communicate with each other and the potential child, the potential being that's coming in to be their child. And there's so much that could be done prior to even conception. Just, uh, Just the other day, we had a birth of one of our advanced students, the, both the mother and the father uh, uh, are, are advanced students in our community, and they're both clairvoyants and healers and everything else. And so they start planning this, you know, three years ago. Uh, they decided, okay, when it's time to have our child, we're, we're going to really look at this. And, and they, the communication has been ongoing for uh, a while. And then when they finally decided, okay, Let's start to call in the the souls that are lined up to want to be uh, in our family, and uh, uh, so then they interviewed each one and and decided, yeah. okay, we'll have you first, and if we decide to have another one in in a couple of years, then the other you can come in next, and so it's a conscious decision they made, yeah. and then uh, they. Uh, uh, ask for the support and, and assistance of other of their clairvoyant friends and teachers and whatnot uh, who, who have, you know, more experience with some of this stuff. And they start to consult with, with some other people going, okay, how do you see our karmic relationship? Uh, and this was way before they got pregnant. And, and so they worked out a lot of things and a lot of communication between the three of them. And then... Uh, the wife got pregnant, and and throughout the entire nine months of the pregnancy, uh, they regularly had counseling, uh, the three of them as as a family, even before the child is born, has had counseling and communication with a group of people and different individuals who are capable of doing this, and and amazing healing and uh, things, and they set it up. Uh, with midwives to to have the birthing at home uh, at a uh, birthing center and underwater, okay. and so okay. they set everything up exactly the way the three of them together in communication decided. It wasn't you know the parents making the decision how it's going to be and forcing it on the kid to be, because as souls, they're all the same age so to speak. <laughs> You know, it's uh-huh. it's it's uh, there's no age to an immortal soul. Now sure. there is maturity and experience to souls. Some souls are are more progressed in their in their evolutionary process, and generally, the especially amongst the a more capable, more aware families, the the beings coming in, the children coming in, generally tend to be. Uh, more advanced than than the parents, and that's how have, evolution works. Yes, I apologize. So I had a very parallel experience to that, and um, I had declined a, a baby girl when I wasn't ready. But I was in my late uh, late twenties. I knew that I wasn't ready. I was living in Marin County, and then last year, um, little Mackay, who's now about fourteen weeks old. He knocked on the door, and I, I welcomed him. And a very, again, very parallel to what you've just presented, we had communication um, from prior to conception, and then through the pregnancy. Um, I remember at one point he told me to build his little god temple around him mm-hmm. <laughs> while he was in my. I mean, he just showed me himself in the temple. It was great. Yes. And and I really um, had just an amazing experience with that, and even in depth with the. With the birth, we did an all-natural um, birth at a birthing center with midwives as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a very spiritual experience. And when he was born, he just looked like a little Buddha. Yes. It was, I just <laughs> called him my little Buddha. It was like, I don't know what this means, but this is how I view him. And he's just been such a joyous little being. Mm-hmm. Very yes. happy. I see these agreements with me and him very deeply. Absolutely. And you but, go back a long ways with him. Yes, in yes, a variety of so. relationships, yeah, and so <laughs> isn't that great? And it's and so you know this is this is really starting to happen more and more. Uh, 
I've been aware of this and doing this with very few people uh, over, let's say, 40 years now. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's not my specialty to just be a spiritual midwife, and that's not where my focus of life is, but but sure. uh some, once in a while this comes up and 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 there are people who are much better than I am in those regards but it's no different when when you are able to address the being address the soul and and your relationship with people are not body just body to body relationships or intellect to intellect relationships it's soul to soul and so you're really relating to the being, just like you described with your son, Makai. And, and you know, um, uh, how you named your son. Uh, okay. You said you, you just kind of picked it out and, and didn't know it had a, a particular meaning, but, but there's word, who chooses that name? It's real interesting in the old, you know, uh, European... Uh, uh, dynasties and, and aristocracies. Well, the names are chosen by the parents and, and political people, and and this next person's going to have this name because that was the name of the you know uh, king or the queen or whatever, and and you you bring that forth. Sure. But more and more, the parents to be are are choosing the name that is being given to them to choose. Very much so. Yeah, just like you did. That name yeah. came from Makai himself. Very much so. He it was the way that I did it is I was looking through a baby name book and I went, Okay, well I don't want any names that are in this book. So I started use, doing derivatives of names and when I got M A K A I I went, That's the name. It was like I heard it, bells went off, whistles <laughs> and I went, Okay, that's it and I started cracking up because I understood that from a clairvoyant perspective and I just chuckled and I I looked at my partner and I said, "That's his name." And he goes, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, that was good. I see. Makai was right over your shoulder, going, "That one." Yep. yep. Now you got it. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So it just really reflects the consciousness of us changing it from physical bodies to spiritual beings and acknowledging that as earthly inhabitants or earthly inhabitants to be. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was before I was born. Uh, during the pregnancy time, when when my parents were thinking of names and everything, well, here I'm, you know, uh, as far as genetically, I'm I'm 100% Japanese, and I was born in Japan, and uh, uh, both my parents are, uh, you know, genetically Japanese, <laughs> and my dad was uh, born in the U.S. Uh, and had uh, a nat- was a natural born U.S. citizen. But I was born in Japan, and uh, while I was uh, uh, in the prenatal, uh, or the body was in the prenatal part, see, as souls, we don't hang out in the mother's womb. <laughs> that would Not be at all. a little bit cramped. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, true. And so, but we were aware of what's going on with the parents and everything. So when they were discussing what they're going to call me, uh, I was feeding the name, and and so my first name they they chose was Michael, which is which is a name that I chose, and they were working really hard. They they wanted to have me have a Japanese boy's name as a second name, as a middle name, and I'm thinking, well, I'm already going to have a Japanese last name. <laughs> Why do I need a Japanese middle name, right? So, because that would be too heavy on the Japanese end of things. <laughs> so, so you want to balance. They they decided they wanted to have a boys a Japanese boys name that started with a J, and I kept I stopped them. They just never could agree upon any kind of a name, uh, a Japanese boys name. Uh, so, so they they left it as the initial J. That's where I get Michael J. Tamura, where the J doesn't have a period afterwards because it's my full name. It's, it's the letter. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is so neat. I went through actually something similar with Makai, interestingly, and it's also Japanese. His, um, We had a dilemma. I'm, I'm not married, and so I wanted to give my last name, which is Contreras, which is uh-huh. Hispanic. And and then even more interesting, I was adopted. So that's my adopted last name. Uh-huh. 
and th- that I readily embrace. And my um, partner's last name is Mountain, uh-huh. and that was a derivative of Matsuyama, which means mountaintop in Japanese, yeah. which was his grandfather and father's authentic last name. Uh-huh. That's so so Makai pointed out his first name, and then his middle name is a Japanese middle name, and then so it's Hawaiian, Japanese, and Mexican. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, it's like the United Nations. <laughs> I know. I said my baby is just, he's so like his mama. He likes diversity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so he's coming really in. Neat. Yeah, he's coming in with a very, very strong purpose and agreements, and and um, uh, and he definitely had a part in in you getting into the media work that you have been doing. I feel that as well. Yes, he he needs to have that in his uh, upbringing background. So uh, I'm sure uh, it won't be too long before uh, he'll be in your recording studio. I feel the very same picture. It's funny, the parallel I gave just the other day was um, Joel Osteen and his father, um, I don't recall his name, but Mr. Osteen, who was a pastor in Texas. And he held a church that he called an international church for over 40 years before his son took it over. So it started out with 80 members, and now it's, you know, an international, global, um, non-denominational church. Uh And I thought... I got the clairvoyant vision. I go, that is me and Makai. I have no yes. idea what that means in terms of details, but in the larger realm, that we have a parallel agreement. Yes. And it's it's uh, interesting that uh, I have another uh, good friend who who is uh, uh, long been in the media and and is getting bigger and bigger, and and her daughter, who is now uh, going on seven, uh, is. I see the similar kind of a vision there too, yes, and yes. so I think there's going to be more and more all around the world uh, with uh, either mother or father and child uh, who have the agreements where the the parent it, it's sort of like the the Mozart family, you know, on a musical level where the parents sure. are very accomplished musicians, but you bring in uh, uh, even way more accomplished musician uh, as a child. And and so in this case, the parents are in the media and uh, uh, developing it and, and establishing the foundation, and the child that comes in uh, are going to go right into that uh, space. And and as they start to take, make it their own, I have a feeling that the young ones, as they start in on the media levels, are going to start to uh, get together and have like a network of media, but very, very different than the networks, so-called networks now, you know, the, that's Definitely. been ruling the world of media. But they're going to have a whole different kind of cooperative uh, where they're going to start to, um, uh, in a sense, uh, lead the whole media world in a different direction than it's been for years. And that really leads us back to what we were talking back talking about in the beginning here about the quantum leaps yes. uh, that need to occur within the systems to allow us as a, a, as a human species to evolve from the body level to the spiritual level. And it really shows how if there is a new media that's established that's more focused on the oneness and that, that interconnection, I see it as a golden link. Yes. So golden links and golden links. And if we have that unity that right in itself will shift humanity in such a drastic way. Absolutely. For the the better. It's amazing. So it just shows how the uh, 2012 ending and the beginning of the 2013 era has really opened up possibilities for systemic changes globally, internationally, and collectively for humanity. Yep, it's it's an amazing, it, it's a very exciting time. <laughs> I agree, I agree. It's just really, really cool. And, I mean, to be a part of it on a on a human individual level, just with my own individual birth, and for you to be a part of it in your individual experiences with having died and come back to re- to recognize at a greater depth mm-hmm. that that we are not, and this is not the limited, the limitations that we are experiencing here are not real. They're not no. true. It's not true at all. And, and that, that brings so much power to the table. Absolutely. 
And so then, you know, in in the more physical world, uh, this our our society as a whole has been much more uh, interested in the physical physicality of everything. So so of course some of the uh, pioneering has been going on in extreme sports. You know, where the younger people coming in are doing things that people couldn't we couldn't imagine anybody doing things that they're doing physically and and so that starts to open up the mind to to other possibilities but switching from the physical okay you know it's really cool to be able to uh surf uh, on 100 foot waves <laughs> or uh-huh. or jump out of you know airplanes this way and do all kinds of things or or uh play basketball uh, you know uh, and stay in the air for a lot longer than it uh, seems possible, and all kinds of things like that. It's it's cool for everybody, but but then when it gets to okay, the same thing. You have to take that same uh, way of looking at things. That there's no limit. Somebody's going to break the record. Somebody's going to be able to get past that uh, barrier on a consciousness level. We have to think differently and. And that's the part that's scary for a lot of people, even people who are fearless as far as being daredevils and they jump off highest places and everything. Well, fear is such an interesting thing because um, I was on a speaker's panel at a conference on reincarnation. And and the uh, one of the other members, who, speakers on the panel was, was a, a retired um, a homicide detective, a very veteran homicide detective with, you know, decorated and everything. Well, it was so great to hear him speak. He gets up in front of this group of um, uh, regression, hypnotherapy regressionists or uh, past life regression and hypnosis and that kind of a group of people. And there's a whole auditorium full. And he gets up to talk and he says, as he's looking over the whole crowd, he says, well, you might think I have a, you know, I, I used to have a very dangerous job. And he said, yes, you can say that. I've had guns pointed at my head. Uh, I've been shot at. Uh, and I've dealt face-to-face in close contact with some of the worst criminals that you can possibly imagine. And he says, never been scared of it. <laughs> he, said, he said, some of you in that situation might faint from terror because it's so scary. But he says, that's my life. I, I live it every day and, and I'm, you know, I, I'm very careful and everything, but he says, I, it, I've never been really scared. This, I enjoy working as a detective in this type of uh, situation. He said, but I'll tell you what I've been terrified about. And he said, if you can come behind the podium, you can see my knees rattling right now because talking to you about reincarnation is he said in the last it's taken me two years to be able to even talk about it in public and because he's he's had a full-on total uh experience of knowing every moment of another life (laughs) that has nothing to do with his life currently where he was an artist and and he says when I discovered that, I tried to shut it out of my mind as as fast as possible, but it wouldn't go away. <laughs> and he said, finally, in desperation, I went to a therapist because I knew I was going crazy. And and the therapist is the one who reassured him he wasn't going crazy and recommended him to uh, some kind of a uh, regression hypnotist, a past life regressionist. And and then he start working with that person. And even after he start working with that person, he said he would break out in cold sweat. He he would pass out. Literally, he would pass out sometimes when he start to get more information about it, wow. because it it so shattered his mindset about Absolutely. reality. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So isn't that great? You know, somebody who's fearless with a gun pointed to his head by a by a murderer. <laughs> oh wow! And then he can't. He he passes out, thinking that he had another lifetime before this one. And uh, uh, so everybody has different areas that are are limited, but those limitations 
we have each other because that whole crowd of you know a thousand people or whatever listening to him were were from from the other from the other place. They're saying, "Oh yeah, I'd be scared if somebody was pointing a gun at me," but we're not. We want to know our past lives. We we want to know that we lived before and we're going to live afterwards and things like that. So being surrounded by people like that, he started to be able to go, okay, so I'm not crazy. And, you know, not everybody's afraid like I am about this thing. And he starts to be okay with it more and more and more. And so we help each other out. This is part of the, this is how we have to work as humanity is not to see, uh, oh, that person's different and they're crazy or that person is of a different colored skin, so you know they're not allowed, or that person doesn't think like me or look like me, so we're not going to talk to them. We can't isolate. We can't divide and conquer ourselves anymore. We have to recognize that, oh, we're one race. We're one species. We're, we're one spirit. And, and we have to be able to recognize that, oh, the reason the other person is so different than I am is because that's going to help me. They're not afraid of the things I'm afraid of, and I'm not afraid of the things they're afraid of. If we work together, neither one of us has to be afraid of either of those things. I think that is so important, and especially in pulling into the fact of the truth and the limitlessness and the timelessness and the eternal aspects of who we are, and that is what we're working on collectively here in fall of 2013 to be able to really create the quantum leaps that we desire so much as a species at, from individual to collective to really create the new the new experience, the new era where we're headed next. Absolutely. This is such an exciting time to be alive <laughs> on earth in a, in a body as an eternal spirit. Yes. We're speaking with Michael tomorrow. You can find out more information on the web at www.michael Tamara.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-M-U-R-A.com. And, of course, you can find him in our audio archives at Evolution Revolution in iTunes for all of his downloads. And he has some featured articles that you can find on my blog as well through Elevated Existence. And, of course, a plethora of information on his website that you can go into his upcoming events and see what he offers and some classes that he's teaching, including webinars, seminars, all your travels. There's so much information, abundance of information there. So again, that's www.michaeltamura.com. Only in the possibilities of positive change and transformation do we learn to recognize our infinite, eternal, higher self filled with the utmost divine potential. When we embrace this unlimited aspect of ourself from within and this healing has a ripple effect into the larger humanity. This is needed in this time of a paradigm shift more than ever where the heavenly untapped pool of consciousness opens up to overflow into our human experience. This consciousness holds the miraculous energy to create powerful and positive change within systems, ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and among individuals and the larger nations. How wonderful it is to be alive here and now and have the opportunity to ride the light-filled wave of infinity, simultaneous to living on the planet Earth. Please join me in the future on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution, as well as in the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found in iTunes for any time listening by searching under the podcast section, Evolution, Revolution with Dulcinea, Voices of Change, or just using my name, Dulcinea Contreras. And happy listening. These archives are available 24 hours a day and no charge and include amazing talent such as Neil Donald Walsh, Barbara Marks Harbord, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amit Goswami, Gary Zukoff, and Linda Francis, Michael Tamora, Ariel Ford, and many, many more amazing and talented authors. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us for an enlightening experience, and be sure to connect with me on Facebook, 
via Evolution Revolution Radio fan page with keywords Dulcinea333 or on Twitter at Dulcinea3333 and Evolution Rev333. Also, you can find several of my book reviews from authors who have appeared on Evolution Revolution and Voices of Change at www.goodreads.com by searching my name, Dulcinea Contreras. I am a revolutionary, a coach, teacher, writer, healer, and leader with a diverse background and vast array of offerings, so please explore more about me at www.dulceneacontreras.wordpress.com. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking supporters to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. Let's manifest with infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution today with my honored guest, Michael Tamora. Thank you so much, Michael, for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on your wonderful show. Thank you. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Goodbye.